Good evening and welcome to E-Bible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 7 of Revelation chapter 5. And we're going to be reading verse 8. And when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. In our last study, we were looking at what the Bible has to say regarding harps. We saw that David played on a harp before King Saul, and it soothed his mind and relieved him of evil spirits. And we saw in First Chronicles chapter 25 in verse 3 that there was language concerning prophesying with a harp. And we also went to Psalm 49 verse 4, which says, I will open the, my dark saying upon the harp. And, and so in those scriptures, we've seen how the harp relates to declaring the word of God. It relates to prophesying and true believers spiritually prophesy when they share the truth of the Bible, when they declare the word of God. And Therefore, spiritually, sharing truth from the Bible is related to sharing the gospel. It's related to bringing forth the word of God as God uh, moved his people to will and do of his good pleasure and sent them into the world in, in the day of salvation to sow seed. In a sense, they were... Um, playing the harp. And if we look at it in that light and with that figure, they were prophesying the word of God. Now, uh, we also find in the Psalms, in Psalm 71, another uh, couple of verses that that agree with this idea. In Psalm 71, it says in verse 22, I will also praise thee with the psaltery, even thy truth, O my God. Unto thee will I sing with the harp, O thou, Holy One of Israel. My lips shall greatly rejoice when I sing unto thee, and my soul, which thou hast redeemed. So in verse 22, I will also praise thee with the psaltery, even thy truth, O my God. Unto thee will I sing with the harp. And singing with the harp is akin to praising God with truth. And so this um, definition that the Bible gives for the harp is uh, fairly certain. We, we can see how the Bible is defining the figure of a harp as prophesying the word of God. Well, now, this becomes important for us today when we read in Revelation chapter 18 these words, as God is describing in that chapter, the day of judgment, which we're presently going through and living in. This this is the day of judgment for the world. And we read in Revelation 18, verse 20, Rejoice over her, thou heaven, and ye holy apostles and prophets, for God hath avenged you on her. And a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone 
and cast it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence shall that great city Babylon be thrown down, and shall be found no more at all. And the voice of harpers and musicians and of pipers and trumpeters shall be heard no more at all in thee, and no craftsman of whatsoever craft he be shall be found any more in thee, and the sound of a millstone shall be heard no more at all in thee, and the light of a candle shall shine no more at all in thee, and the voice of the bridegroom and of the bride shall be heard no more at all in thee. And with each one of these statements, God is declaring that he has removed the gospel from the world. Of course, we can see it very definitely with the light of a candle shining no more at all in thee, Babylon. Babylon representing the kingdom of Satan, this world, which includes the churches. And and the voice of the bridegroom, the, and Christ is the bridegroom, and the voice of the bride, the elect are the bride of Christ, shall be heard no more at all in thee. That is, when the Bible is read or heard uh, with the physical ears, it will not be heard, the voice of Christ will not be heard spiritually. As um, Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And, and God has to grant hearing, spiritual ears to hear. Let him that heareth understand is a, a common statement we read earlier in Revelation. He that has ears, let him hear. And in the day of judgment, God will remove the Holy Spirit from uh, granting ears to hear and therefore the voice of the bridegroom, Christ, the word of God, and of the bride as God's people are still in the world in the day of judgment, still living on the earth, and they still may uh, speak forth the word of God, but the voice of Christ and the voice of the elect shall be heard no more at all in thee. It just means there'll be no ears to hear granted to any dead sinners. They will not be regenerated by the Spirit of God and and enlightened in the eyes and, and having their ears open to understand the things of God any longer. All that is done and finished and over. It is the day of God's wrath. And so all of these statements are synonyms describing that very same thing. And verse 22 said, And the voice of harpers and musicians and of pipers and trumpeters shall be heard no more at all in thee. Notice that there's four musical instruments and four represents universality. This is something that is happening all over the earth. The sound of the musical instruments as they represent the declaration of the gospel to the world will be heard no more at all in thee. And, and again, this would mean no one will be given ears to hear the harping 
of God's people, the piping, the trumpeting of God's people any longer. Well, I just want to look at one more verse before we continue on in our study of Revelation 5, and that's in Isaiah chapter 24. In Isaiah 24, we've gone through this chapter verse by verse, and Isaiah 24 is a chapter that unmistakably is describing God's judgment on the world, not on the church. As a matter of fact, I would recommend to anyone to read the whole chapter and you will find the earth mentioned time and again. Uh, For instance, in verse 4 of Isaiah 24, the earth mourneth and fadeth away, the world languisheth and fadeth away. The haughty people of the earth do languish. Verse 5, The earth also is defiled under the inhabitants thereof, because they have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinance, broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore hath the curse devoured the earth, and they that dwell therein are desolate. Therefore the inhabitants of the earth are burned, and few men left. Now, how can anyone read this and and think that it's discussing the church? We we don't find um, that as the subject matter at all. It is God's wrath on the earth, on the world. And uh, Isaiah 24 uses very similar language to chapters we might find in the book of Jeremiah as God is describing his judgment on Judah, which in turn would point to his wrath upon the churches at the time of the end during the Great Tribulation when judgment begins at the house of God. And the language is similar because the judgment is similar. It is the same cup of God's wrath. First, the cup was given to the people called by his name, and they drank of the cup of the wrath of God, and that wrath had to do with the removal of the Holy Spirit, with the putting out of the light of the gospel, with the silencing of the harps, as we saw in Revelation 18, that would also apply to the church. Well, now, with the emphasis upon the earth, we read in verse 7 of Isaiah 24, The new wine mourneth, the vine languisheth, all the merry-hearted do sigh, the mirth of tabrets ceaseth. And that would be a timbrel, again, a musical instrument. The noise of them that rejoice endeth, the joy of the harp ceaseth. And there God is is saying something it, it's a it's a tragedy. It is extremely sorrowful that this has come upon the earth, that it is the time when God has shut the door to heaven. It is the time when the joy of the harp ceaseth. Now we looked at several verses at following the Bible's own um its own recipe following God's methodology that he would have us to follow in coming to truth. Look up a word 
and search it out. Go here a little, go there a little, compare scripture with scripture. And as we've done so, we've searched out the word harp and we have been able to come up with a biblical definition. We understand that word. It has to doing with speaking forth, with declaring the word of God, with prophesying. And now in the chapter of uh, God's judgment on the earth, we read the joy of the harp ceaseth. That is the prophesying that God's people do in the world. The prophesying isn't said to have ended here. And, uh, you know, uh, we're still sharing information from the Bible. We're still sharing truth with one another. God has commanded us to feed sheep. And how can we do that unless we speak the truth of the word of God? And then we don't know who the sheep are, so we have to share the truth far and wide. We have to send forth the word of God as, as far and wide as we ever did before. For the very same reason, uh, before we had to carry the word into all the world because we didn't know where the elect were to be saved. We didn't know where the sheep were that were lost that must be found. And now we have to send the word of God into the far reaches of the earth in order to feed the sheep. And we don't know who those sheep are. We don't know where they are exactly. And and as a result, yes, we will be speaking forth the word of God. But the joy of the harp ceaseth. The joy. Uh, the, the Bible tells us that when one sinner repenteth, there is joy in heaven. Joy of salvation. God and, and the angels in heaven would rejoice when a sinner was redeemed when he received a new resurrected soul and and the blood of Christ had been applied to his heart. But now the joy of prophesying, the joy of the harp ceaseth. We continue to share truth, but no sinner anywhere in the world, in in any country, in any city, in any town, in in any street, in any house, no sinner will hear the word of God that's being proclaimed, that, that God's people are sending forth in order to feed sheep. And even though it's truth, even though it's faithful to what the Bible says, it will not spark a new heart. It will not, a God's word will not create in them a new soul. They will not be born again. And and therefore, there will be no joy in connection with playing the harp spiritually. There'll be no more salvation. This is uh, this is a grievous thing, but it is the nature of the day we're living in. Well, um, let's go back to Revelation five and verse eight, and again. The four living creatures and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. 
It's very interesting how God connects these golden vials full of odors. And the word odors here is also translated as incense. Uh, uh, For instance, in Luke 1, uh, in verses 8 through 10, Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist, was said to have his lot in burning incense, at the time of incense. And it's the same word that's translated as odors. And God says that these golden vials full of incense are the prayers of saints. That is, the Lord is making a connection. He is establishing a relationship between golden vials full of incense and the prayers of the saints. Now, the the golden vials, this is the only place that I could find where the golden vial has to do with incense, that it's full of incense and, and that being related to the prayers of the saints. Uh, this same Greek word is translated uh, as vile 11 more times. It, it's found 12 times, again, as far as I could see, in the New Testament, once here. And it's always translated as vile, V-I-A-L. And yet in all the other uh, times that it's found, it has to do with the vials full of the wrath of God. Um, in Revelation 15, it says in verse 7, and one of the four living creatures, and and that's the same four living creatures we're reading of in Revelation 5. And one of the four living creatures gave unto the seven messengers seven golden vials full of the wrath of God who liveth forever and ever. And then in Revelation 16, in verse 1, And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Seven messengers, go your ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. And verse 2, and the first went and poured out his vial upon the earth. And and then all the vials are poured out. In Revelation 17, verse 1, and there came one of the seven messengers which had the seven vials and talked with me, saying unto me, come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. In every other instance that this word vile is found, it has to do with the wrath of God. And it's uh, the vials are full of the wrath of God and they must be poured out. They must be emptied. And it's it's unusual. It, it makes us wonder, what is the connection, if there is any, between a golden vial full of incense that is likened to the prayers of saints, and the golden vial that uh, we find everywhere else full of the wrath of God. Well, there actually is a connection that the Lord establishes between the prayers of the saints and, and His wrath. In Revelation chapter 8, it says in verse 3, And another angel or messenger came, and stood at the altar, having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much 
incense. And that's the same word, Greek word, that's translated as odors in our verse in Revelation 5. And and here it's incense. It's the same word with Zacharias, whose lot was to burn incense. There was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints. Well, there again we have the uh, golden vial full of odors likened to the prayers of saints in Revelation 5. And here a golden censer that um, this angel or messenger is given with much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. So there is certainly a relationship between these verses and and Revelation 5.8. And then in verse 4, And the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand, and the angel or messenger took the censer then filled it with fire of the altar and cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. We can see how the golden censer is involved with much incense that it should be offered with the prayers of the saints. And the smoke of the incense then begins, and and again, with the prayers of the saints, begins to ascend up before God out of the angel's hand. And the next thing we know, the angel took the censer and filled the same censer with fire of the altar. And that would typify wrath and anger and fury. It is the wrath of God because God is a consuming fire. And now the censer that was previously identified with incense and the prayers of the saints is filled with the wrath of God. And therefore we can um, relate the golden vial full of odors or incense, which are the prayers of the saints, Revelation 5.8 statement, with the golden vials full of the wrath of God that are being poured out in the day of judgment. But again, why does God make this tie-in? Why is he joining the two together? Well, it depends on what the saints have been praying. What have the saints of God, and the saint is just a, Another way of speaking of a holy one, and and it's not some special individual who has achieved a, a status of super holiness, and and therefore a church uh, elects him to sainthood. That's not a saint. Actually, it's very possible for many of those saints to never have been saved, even themselves. No, a saint is anyone anyone at all who has become saved the thief on the cross who who was a dirty rotten sinner and never uh, did anything in his life that a church would consider worthy uh, even remotely worthy of sainthood was a saint in god's sight once he became saved everyone who is an elect and 
has the blood of Christ applied to them and they have been redeemed becomes a saint. And what have the saints of God been praying? Well, it, we're told in Revelation 6, um, when, when the seals are taken off the book, it says in verse 9 of Revelation chapter 6, And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, does thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? This is describing those children of God that have been redeemed, and they have gone to be with the Lord in heaven, and uh, in, in their cases, they don't have their resurrected bodies as, as yet, so it's the souls of them, apart from their bodies, in their spirit essence, they're dwelling with Christ in heaven, they're dwelling with God. And the prayer goes up, How long, O Lord, until you uh, bring about the day of vengeance, until you avenge our blood from the blood of Abel, Unto the blood of Zacharias, the blood of God's people has been, as it were, crying up to God from the earth for vengeance, for um, God to to bring justice and and to balance uh, the scales that His law demands, because mankind has grievously sinned against God and has um, tormented and afflicted and and brought trouble to the people of God all through the many days of their pilgrimage upon the earth. Remember what we read in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And let me turn there. In 2 Thessalonians 2, it says in verse 5, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which ye also suffer, seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, it is the day of recompense, actually the year of recompenses for the sake of God's holy temple, for the sake of his people. And their their prayer has ascended up to God and he has heard just as the Lord heard the prayer of the Israelites in Egypt over the the centuries that they were in bondage, in, in cruel and hard bondage, and, and there was no deliverance, God heard, and in the, the set time, at the appointed time, he brought a deliverer and freed his people and brought them out of Egypt. Likewise, God has heard the cries of his people and he has 
freed them from uh, spiritual bondage, but there is also a matter of answering their prayer. And, well, we'll have to discuss in our next study how it is that God's people would pray such a thing. And we'll we'll look at that. It's very important we properly understand that before we continue on studying this very interesting chapter in the book of Revelation.